I'm Sharon Betters, and you are listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that our purpose is to tell stories that help turn especially broken hearts toward Jesus. And each one of these stories often pulls back the curtain on extreme pain that could have been inflicted by circumstances beyond our control, or maybe maybe they're the consequences of our sin or someone else's sin. Our topics include everything from terminal illness, grief, sex trafficking. We even have a special series for military families and so much more. I'm so grateful to know these stories and how each one not only gives hope to the person, maybe you experiencing a similar pain, but it also equips those who love us and love those broken people to walk with them in the darkness. And today our topic is a tough one. And it's one that is a life crisis that is experienced probably by more people than we realize. In fact, some statistics say that one in eight couples will have trouble getting pregnant. So think about what that means. That's about 6.7 million people each year who will have trouble conceiving. And if you're one of those, you know, this is, this is a heartbreaking journey. Then there's 10 to 20% of women who know that they are pregnant will experience a miscarriage. And some studies say that it's even higher. But let's, let's move on. About one pregnancy in 100 at 20 weeks of pregnancy and later is affected by stillbirth. Imagine how many people are suffering from losing their children in this way. And that doesn't even take into account the number of babies diagnosed in the womb with a terminal condition, meaning if they survive their birth, they will not live very long. And we have friends who have experienced all of these. And in fact, our own family has experienced some of these and it is heartbreaking and a lot of tears are shed. And so if you're one of those people, I know that you are going to want to listen to our guest today, Kathy Wannenberg, who she's experienced similar deep losses. And yet Kathy is a hope lifter. And, and we'll talk more about that in our conversation. But Kathy believes that God can transform anything that we offer him into hope to help others. And we're going to talk about that today. So, Kathy, welcome. I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity to talk. It is so good to be with you today, Sharon. Thank you for having me on today. Well, before we jump into our topic, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe something that gives you joy? Well, I, uh, I'm, I live in the desert, <laughs> so even though I live in the desert, I've been here over 35 years. I grew up in a little town in the Midwest of 300 people, so I love all of you out there that are from small towns. I love that small town, um, and I guess that does bring me joy. I like all kinds of people, no matter where they're from, and the more hurts, the better. That mm. might sound kind of strange, but I love to... I'm passionate about bringing hope to hurting people, binding up the brokenhearted and setting captives free. That brings me a lot of joy. Well, I can see that in the books that you've written. I mean, your books are almost like a roadmap of your life. If you look at them as you've written them, Longing for a Child, uh, where you it's a devotional about miscarriage and grieving the child you never knew. And I mean, just amazing topics. Tell us why you were willing to write these books. I know that grief is debilitating. We lost our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, in a 
fatal car accident. And the grief just puts you under um, this heavy, wet blanket. And yet you wrote books about your journey. Why is that? I'm going to be really honest, Sharon. I don't know if you know this, but I really didn't want to. I'm kind of like Jonah in the Bible who was told to go do something and then he went the other way. And I did go through the loss of children through miscarriage and carrying a baby with a fatal birth defect. But I I really didn't picture myself as writing books about grief. I mean, I always wanted to write, but who'd want to be a grief author? So I really did it out of obedience because a friend gave my name to a publisher who contacted me and said, hey, we would like you to consider doing this. I waited for about three months to even respond. And when I finally did, it was surely kind of a Jonah moment of God saying, Kathy, I want you to think about women or couples out there that have gone through what you've gone through and what is it that they need. And you have something that could help them. So I actually put stick figures up on the wall and I started envisioning those of you that are even listening, you know, some of the needs that you'd have. I put, what did they need? What were they feeling? What was I feeling with what I'd gone through? And I just said, God, here I am. I will do it. So I did it out of obedience, not because I wanted to be an author of books about grief, but I believe we go through what we go through to help others go through what we went through. Now, that's my paraphrase from 2 Corinthians when it talks about the God of comfort comforts us with the comfort that we want to give others. I'm paraphrasing that too, but. That's a, I, I recognize the verse. <laughs> I recognize that's good theology. That is, that yes. is really good theology. That's where it comes from. So sure, obedience. That's why I did it. Yeah. Really what you're describing is you're someone ahead of, in the journey and you're calling back. You're reaching out a hand and saying, I'm going to walk with you. Were there specific people who did that for you? You know, when I was in my journey of grief back, that was back in the, the 90s my first losses. I've I've gone through a lot of losses since then, but my first real significant losses. There weren't a lot of people that were right there right then. However, a few years earlier, there had been a woman that we'd been helping with the youth group at church and she got, she was pregnant and she found out that her baby had a fatal birth defect. And I'd never heard of this condition called anencephaly. And so I heard about it. We walked through that with this couple We were there when their baby daughter was born and she lived a few days. And so I was mentored several years earlier, but didn't even know it. So fast forward, you know, a few years later, we had not, we lost contact with this couple, but God had used that woman's life and her example of how to do this well as a godly woman. So I already knew what to expect. So my friend offered that to me by her example. That's, that is a wonderful story. Um, and we don't even know, you know, that God is, he, he doesn't waste anything. The faithfulness of the Lord in their suffering has been multiplied over and over and over again in your life, probably many others. And everybody that he is touching through your work, their fingerprints are there, even though they may not know it. That's, that's an incredible story. What did people do for you that that helped you like even get up in the morning after each of the losses that you went through? You know, I I will say prayer was the biggest thing. I had a group of women at that time. I was leading a ministry for profession, business and professional women. And these women prayed 
They prayed not only during my journey, but after my journey. And then there were a few, two or three, that checked in on me. And there are times when you're going through grieving where you just don't want to be around anybody. Some of you probably can relate to that. And these women would show up at my door and they'd say, come on, we're taking you out. We're, we're, you know, they'd force me to get out. They'd force me to go do things. So really prayer and encouragement, practical ways of just reaching me and my personality. I'm an extrovert. And so when they knew that I was cocooning in, I needed to get out. And the other thing I will say that helped me was being willing to be used, even in the midst of pain. It was a week after I lost uh, our son, John Samuel. And I remember getting an email from someone and they said, here's a woman in an article that's going through what you're going through. Could you reach out to her? And my first thought was, I don't know what I'd have to say, but I thought, you know what? I'm I'm a few months ahead of her. She was like in her fourth month of pregnancy with the same diagnosis. I thought, you know what? I can, I can be a friend to her. So I reached out and there was something really special that really helped me get through it, knowing it validated my pain. That's a very good way of putting it. I mean, I remember shortly after the death of our son, Mark, and I was invited to speak and, you know, it was a couple months later and I thought, I do not want to do this. And I said, I'm, you're asking the wrong person. All I'm going to do is stand up there and cry. And I remember her saying, no, I think you're the right person then because we want someone who is going to be vulnerable where we can see the Lord at work in that person's life who's not pretending. And so I, I see God taking, he says, beauty from ashes. Uh, and sometimes it's in a way that we don't ever expect it to be. And I, no doubt this particular woman probably passed on to somebody else what you, you offered to her in your own life. So. I think, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you're thinking, I couldn't have done that, sometimes God calls us to places where you're right, you can't do it, but he wants you to take that step and you find out that he does equip you and he encourages you. Talk to the friend who is wanting to help her, her friend who has suffered several miscarriages. And like you said, you had friends who knew that you were an extrovert, you needed to get out when you started isolating yourself. How can we know what is right for that person? Is it possible? I mean, because we could misstep. I know there were plenty of people that misstepped in our lives. And I know I've, you know, not on purpose, but I'm sure I've hurt people by stepping where I shouldn't have stepped. Is that possible? I don't think there's a formula or a right way. However, we do know the person who knows that person and that's God. And always, before I reach out to anyone, or even before a podcast, before anything, I always ask the creative God, God, you know that person better than I do. Would you reveal to me how I can bring hope to her in a very specific way? And then I wait on him to prompt me with ideas. And sometimes it's been a simple text. Sometimes it's like, you need to give her a phone call. Sometimes I'm shown up and just drop something at somebody's doorstep or around occasions, Mother's Day's coming. And I will always say, God, would you show me people's lives who need to be touched? And especially those that have had a miscarriage because they have empty arms and an empty womb. And they sometimes, we sometimes don't feel we fit. And I always try to send a a card to those I know who've lost an unborn child and to let them know that they are valued and they are remembered on Mother's Day. I 
I really appreciate what you're describing is encouragement that flows from your relationship to Jesus. That yes, it's um, the prayer, the talking to Him. I'm sure the word, you know, the word directing your steps and listening and being intentional, being very intentional. Exactly. Well, and Sharon, you know, introverts and extroverts grieve different. Loss is so different for each of us. And some people for years, when you had a miscarriage, they didn't talk about it. I didn't know my mother had had a miscarriage and my grandparents and my great grandparents. I didn't know about all their losses until I went through it. So I think it's important to, to, again, know that God knows that person, their personality, what's important to them. If they like purple, give them something purple. If they have named their baby, make an ornament with the baby's name on it. I mean, it's like if there was one year God prompted me to have Bibles delivered to the graveside, I knew that she would be there of her unborn baby. And they were able to, I guess, in that state, bury their baby, even though there, it was just a few weeks old, they were able to do that. I know that varies every place. And I was able to get Bibles and then have a, a label in the front that was for their church. So she could take all of those Bibles to their church. And they were able to have those in honor of that child. This really goes with the scripture you mentioned earlier, comfort those in the way that you have been comforted. And whenever God calls us, and you know, so he's not saying if you feel like being a comforter, be a comforter. He's saying, do it. Anything he tells us to do, he has equipped us for it. And it's kind of like a treasure hunt for us to unearth the ways that he wants us to go forward. And that's, that's a, I just love that. That's so, so special. It, it's a perfect segue into one of your books. You have devotionals for those hard days, like Mother's Day or the anniversary. Why do you think it's important for us to acknowledge those days? And I mean, just speaking as a mother who has lost a son, the anticipation of those days is, is just horrific. It's almost worse than the day itself. And so having someone acknowledge the pain, it is such an incredible relief. So tell us about that book and uh, what are some of the events where you offer devotionals? The special readings or special days that it really came out of my own need. Like I'm sure you, you anticipated certain events like Mother's Day or baby showers or, you know, I have one of my books that it's even when you have a medical procedure, whatever it is that is coming up that you have to go through. And I thought, what is it that would help me? Well, and the word of God is the thing that's going to help me on those days. So I found scriptures that would be appropriate. And not only that, but scriptures that you could pray or ask people to pray for you on those days. I think it's important that we are very intentional about who we are. Sometimes we get disappointed. We think other people should know or they should do something for us. Well, we know ourselves best, don't we? So it's important that we're intentional about owning our, our grief and our loss and our needs. And to say, what is it as Mother's Day is approaching? What is it I think I want to do or I need? And I recognize that I had living children and I also had children that I had lost. So I recognized early on that there were certain needs I had for each, and I needed to look at ways that I could fill both needs and be intentional about that. I think that's such good uh, counsel is, first of all, grieving people, often anger 
results from grief and feeling hurt because other people have not met our expectations. And what I hear you saying is we have to take a step back and say, what are my needs and how can I uh, plan to meet those expectations? And we did find with the first few years after Mark's death was we needed to be intentional. I love that word. I use it so much Mm -hmm. about those special days and plan for them, not just like creep up on us. And then we're hit with that tidal wave, but recognize it's going to be a hard time. We're going to lean into it. For us, it was how do we honor Mark? How do we remember him? How do we pull Absolutely. Together? You know, we talk, share stories. What is it that works for us? That is uh, terrific counsel, I think. And also, I want to, those of you who are experiencing these kinds of losses, I recommend, you know, go, go to Amazon and look up Kathy Wannenberg and check out her books because they're packed full of this kind of sensitivity. And I wish I had had something like that when we lost our son, Mark, you know, like you said, back then people didn't talk about miscarriages and then people were stoics uh, when it came to grief. And so there wasn't as much available for us as there is today. Are there books or authors or speakers that you found were helpful for you as you walked that? And let me, let me uh, back up a little bit. You can uh, put answers, these two answers together is, how did you respond to your losses through the grid of your faith? And who were uh, some of the people that you turned to, maybe people you never met, authors, speakers that helped you and why were they helpful? When I faced going through this deep chasm, I found out on Good Friday. So that actually took me <laughs> to the Garden of Gethsemane. It took me to Jesus. And what, what a great way to have my Easter transformed forever to hear his words as he was crying out, can you take this cup, take this cup from me? And then to hear his words, yet not as my will, but thine be done. And that is the person that really shaped my early stages of how I was going to do grief. I felt if if he could release everything, and I knew that God had lost his only son, that's where I needed to go. At that time, I just ask God to use me. I didn't know. There were not grief groups out there. There were not online. We didn't have online then. So I just had to rely on truly the word of God and different people in scripture. I mean, Sarah brought me comfort. Hannah brought me comfort. Mary brought me comfort. Lots of people brought me comfort in the word. My friend that I spoke about, Dottie, she brought me comfort from her example. And a couple of books that really rocked me. One was uh, Ruth Meyer's 31 Days of Praise. What I loved about that book is it had a journal in it, and every devotion focused on who God was. And so I felt that in my journey of grief, I needed to get it out. I needed to cry out to God and yet focus on Him. So that gave me permission to do that. And because of her book, her book's journal and that process so profound for me that I said, if I ever write a book or when I write one, that is a must have. So I had to fight for the journal pages in my devotional books because most publishers don't want to, you know, pay you to have blank pages, but that shaped me. Another book that really shaped me is A Grace Disguise by Gerald's sister. That book was so profound. And there was one example, which we'll probably talk about later, but there was a, an example about a tree stump that really resonated with me because I love trees. And even though I'm in Arizona, I love trees. And he helped me. He had gone through the loss of his wife, his mother, and his daughter all in the same time. 
And I thought I could learn from this man, even though it was a different loss. We all have different losses, but I learned some very profound things from him. And that tree stump example was one. It's so interesting your books you're mentioning because those books impacted me when, I mean, I was one of those people that was desperate to talk to people ahead of me in the journey, read books. I would read anything that anybody sent me. I would try to find something that would help me. And so, of course, in my library, I have several rows of books. You know, it's that God sending his people to come alongside of us. And again, going back to what you said, you know, we go what we go through. I, I can't say it all right. We go but through what we go through to help others go through what we went through. We do. There you go. Yes. All yes. in the Bible and even in our life. Yes. And so these people that you mentioned, thank the Lord that they listened to him say, right write this story. What an incredible blessing it is to us. Of course, there's always a downside to uh, helping someone where we say the wrong things or you know, <laughs> we're thoughtless. Um, how would you advise us to, and I think you're going to go back to the same, to the same response as you need to pray, but mm-hmm. how do you respond to comments that are kind of thoughtless? Or maybe the person doesn't even know. It could be as innocent as saying, how many children do you have? or comparing their loss of something you would consider minor to your loss, which is enormous. How do you react? How do you respond? I learned early on, I used to make a list of all their comments. (laughs) And because it was like, there were some horrible things that were said. Instead of responding or or reacting, which I did in the early days, sometimes I'd leave the room, sometimes I'd burst into tears, sometimes I would just be silent. I learned to pause. And the, the, the scripture that really helped me a lot was, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I think Jesus said that. Yeah. And I just, Father, forgive them because they really don't understand they mean well. I mean, when you look at that person, they're trying to help you do better. So what I did is I got proactive and I created bookmarks that 10 ways to encourage someone who's lost a baby or that's longing for a child or that's had a miscarriage out of the very hurts that had been inflicted on me. I thought, well, let's turn it into something good so it doesn't happen to someone else. And again, that's why it's important to be proactive. But I learned to, the other thing I've learned recently is on my phone, I have a screensaver of Jesus. And I have my phone everywhere with me. I mean, today you don't live without your phone. So I can look at Jesus and I actually physically will put my phone between me and that other person sometimes so that I know that nothing can get from them except through him to me. He's a buffet. He buffets it. And that before I say something to them or respond or react, I need to look at him and let it go through him. So only through him can I respond. That has helped me so much. I can't even tell you I'm such a visual thinker that that has helped me a lot. That is such a great, I'm going to do that. That's so good. Um, Because so often, if we're not intentional, again, the pause, we forget the pause. And so Mm -hmm. that would certainly be a reminder of the pause. Tell us about Hope Lifters, because you, you have so many incredibly great ideas and counsel about encouragement. And it's all, you've been able to pull it all under the umbrella of Hope Lifters. So tell us, tell us what that is all about. 
Well, back in 2005, I was having time with God. And that's another thing. I encourage you to spend time with the Lord and let him bind up your broken heart. That's what I was doing. I was going through another loss of a ministry. We go through lots of losses. And at that time, I was just trying to listen to him and journaling. And he birthed in my heart the desire to start a ministry called Hopelifters. Never heard of that name. But when you look at Romans 5, 3, and 4, it says to rejoice in your suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So we're all in the whole process, even if we're suffering. I wanted to create an organization that was really more of a lifestyle. We go through what we go through to help others go through what we went through. So I began by taking women away to spend time with God. I invited my friend to spend time with God. So that's what we did. I said, you're going to come spend time with God and hear from him. And then it, then it enlarged into taking a few women away for a weekend for a retreat, again, to spend time with God. And maybe we did some topics and retreats, but it was mainly that. And then God, God tapped me on the heart. He whispered to my heart and said, you know, Mother's Day's coming. Wouldn't it be nice to take a group of women who lost children away for a day away with God? I thought, that's a great idea. How do I do that? And I felt like he was saying, charter a bus. So the idea came, but it didn't happen for about four years. And again, sometimes God will give you an idea to do something, and it's not time yet. But four years later, sure enough, a Christian charter company contacted me. So I knew this was God's timing. And I stepped out in faith and invited women to go right before Mother's Day. And we went up. Our very first bus trip was for any woman. And then we we did one for mothers. And we've been doing that for, I think we've done 11 bus trips, always the weekend before Mother's Day. Up to 50 women can come as our guest. And we spend a day remembering our children. You can bring pictures of your ultrasound or if you've only got a, if you have nothing to show or if you have, doesn't matter what age or that you have your child, we honor those mothers. So that happened. And again, I didn't plan it. Um, books have come out of that, resources. And most recently, Hope Lifters has really evolved into a, a place for leaders to be lifted up. I'm mentoring and coaching probably about 30 women on a regular basis, one-on-one. And during the pandemic, isn't that interesting that God would shut down the more retreats and out there ministry? and bring it in closer, and invest in those women. I have women that are doing other ministries in other states. I have women that have a heart for uh, broken people. I have, you know, all kinds of women that he's brought to me. So we are really evolving into a place where you can come, get connected, have resources. And I really don't know where he's taking it, but I do know we go through what we go through to help Others go through what we went through. I know that's a bottom line. And also Hope Lifters, the other part of it is called Unlimited. That's Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do more than we can even ask or imagine according to his power at work. We don't want to limit God. So I can't even really give you a direct answer of what we do other than we know that it's going to help women that are binding up brokenhearted. Right now it's with leaders. We have resources and I'm not going to limit God. That, that that's such an, an incredible story. I love it. And we're going to have um, links to Hope Lifters and Kathy's books on our website. So that will be at markinc.org where you can check out more information about Kathy. But Kathy, as we're starting to wrap up our time, you mentioned a story about a tree stump. Why don't you tell us that story? 
Well, when I read this story, it was in Gerald's sister's book, and he talked about when you have a loss, you look out the backyard of your life and you see a big, beautiful tree, and it's like it's chopped down, and it's this brown, ugly stump. And he says, no matter how hard you try, you can't get that stump out of your life. And he said, over time, uh, you might pull a chair up, maybe even plant a few flowers. You learn to landscape around your loss. That resonated so much with me because I had pine trees, even though I'm in Arizona, in my backyard, and I love trees. And so Mother's Day was approaching at our home, and we had a tree that was really bothersome to our neighbor. And so my husband said, well, uh, the neighbor wanted it to be cut down, and he didn't want to cut it down. And I said, you know what, we need to. And then I ran out as the tree trimmers were there with their chainsaws. I said, hold on, could you leave a stump? And they looked at me like, this is a crazy woman. But that meant something to me. So in the corner of our yard, there were three trees and a stump. And what that represented to me was the child that we had lost. And at that time, we had three other living children. And I, at holidays, we would decorate our stump as a remembrance of our son. It was just a beautiful place where I was in the process of landscaping the loss in my life. I'm never going to be able to take the losses out, but it's not brown and ugly anymore. I'm 25 years in to my journey. And I can tell you ladies that I've landscaped because I've allowed God to do that. And I believe that he can do that too. Maybe brown and ugly right now, but my prayer is that you will be willing to allow your loss to enlarge you, and allow God to help you landscape around it. Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your time with us now. I know that you are crazy busy, but your passion for offering the hope of Jesus to others is just resonates so much in my own heart. And I'm just imagining those. I love that you described the stick figures that you put up on your wall when you were writing your books. And there are stick figures now in my mind of those who are going to be hearing this message. And for those of you who are hearing it and you are, some of you are probably in tears as you've listened because you want so desperately to believe what Kathy is saying is true. And as a fellow traveler in the wilderness of darkness, I can definitely agree with Kathy that the Lord gives us uh, the opportunity to landscape around that stump and he brings beauty from ashes. And that is our prayer for you today. And so I'm Sharon Betters and this is the Help and Hope podcast that's produced by Market Ministries. And I hope that you will tell other friends about this conversation, that you'll pass it on. You can go to markinc.org where you can find more resources just like this one. You can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of our stories. We have so many incredible redemption stories that offer the help and hope of the gospel. And we're just so grateful for people like Kathy Wannenberg who are willing to share their story as a means of offering that hope of the gospel. You go to markinc.org, as I said earlier, and we will have links to Kathy's books, a link to Hope Lifters. And I urge you to spread the word about Kathy's ministry and also about Marking Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org 
markinc.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.